Awesome. You guys noticed I got a haircut, right? And Ruth, Ruth Kyle's not here? Are you kidding? She, she has bothered me for the last 20 years. That's it. Yeah, it's freezing up here. All my brothers are bald. So this was, a, this was daring. This was a step in faith that it'll grow back. And I just, like, yeah, yeah. So Ruth Kyle used to leave me coupons and five bucks. She obviously does not ho- know how much a haircut is these days, you know? Yeah. But I bet you she didn't want to pay up. She uh, met me in the hall just this last week, and she said, um, she slowly comes up to me, and she grabs my hair, and she says, I will give you $100 if you take an inch off. And then uh, I let her continue, and she, and she comes a little closer, and she says, and if you take two inches off, I will give you $1,000. And I said, take out your checkbook, because I actually have a haircut schedule tomorrow. <laughs> Boom! And she's not here. She's yeah, yeah, she's gone, that's right. <laughs> and I've been getting some compliments, like, man, you look younger. It's all going well, until I, you know who you are. I came up to a person, so is it true that I look younger? And then, you don't look as much like Jesus as you used to. <laughs> I just can't win. Man. Anyway, all that to keep me humble, I suppose. It's working. I want to talk about mountain experiences, mountaintop experiences. And today, I want to talk about the mountaintop experience of being obedient. We'll be looking at Abraham and Isaac. And uh, it's, it's hard to exactly know how, some, how sometimes to talk about obedience. But when I actually had a real dog in the, in the day, right now I have a shapoo. I'm not sure what he is, but has some poodle in it. And people say poodles are smart. I would beg to differ, and I have evidence. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I had this dog, Buddy, um, and he was lots of fun, high energy, really smart. I could teach him tricks, no problem. But one thing I could not teach him is not to bolt when he saw one of his cousins, or a.k.a. another dog. So if he saw a dog, it was, <laughs> he was gone. doesn't matter if it was 99 Highway, number one Highway, or just Marine Drive. He was <laughs> just gone like a bolt. It was driving me nuts. Because usually I could say, but, and he would be right at my feet. It was awesome. But when it came to that, it was nutso. So I finally talked to a, a vet or a person that was really well uh, trained in how to train dogs. And they just said, okay, you got to get one of these leashes that gives them lots of, you know, one of those that has a retrieving thingy within it. So then he can rip. And then when he comes to the end of it, I give him a good yank and I yell. I go, no, you know, just freak out. And then all of a sudden, all of his senses right from getting yanked. Because we're talking a dog that's doing this all the time and is putting his life in danger constantly. So that's what the ticket was, that he would run out and he'd go toward traffic, almost get killed. When he got to the end of it, I'd give him another tug. And, he, and then I would just yell, no, you know. And then he'd be paying attention because I liked my dog. And because I needed him to obey for his sake, for his life, and this whole thing got him used to my voice. So I didn't have to do this whole yank thing anymore, hopefully, but because of my voice, because he knew his master's voice, he would get used to the master's voice and now learn to obey. Hmm. 
Could some of us use collars? Could some of us use leashes? Could some of us learn better to obey the voice of God? Right? So that's where I want to go today, is I think that that somehow Abraham has given us a fantastic picture of what it means to listen, to hear, and to move when it comes to the voice of God. So before we jump in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. It's powerful, and today's a fantastic story. And I would ask that you would bring out stuff in it that would pierce us in the heart, and we would be changed. I know even from my reading of Oswald Chambers this morning, we often like to give, uh, uh, we like to give consent with our brains, or we like to just think that, yeah, that's fantastic. But Oswald's saying, you know, enough thinking. It's time to act. It's time to do. It's time to let it sink into your heart. And we need that, Lord. And I pray that each one of us now would be moved by what we see and hear, taste and sense and visualize in Scripture. We would be moved to obey. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So before we jump into Genesis chapter 22, give you a little bit of the background. It's really exciting because you know that Abraham and his wife are just dying to have kiddos. They want to have offspring so badly. And uh, it's also a matter of honor. Back then, it's really, really important that the, the memory or the, the legacy continues to live on through your children. So they're dying to have kiddos. It's on their prayer. It's on their lips, everything about them. And you can tell that Sarah is totally bummed about it. She can't, she can't even handle it. I don't know if it's also a social thing that she goes to different places and feels less than because she has no babies. But in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6, it's absolutely beautiful because God meets Abraham in a powerful way. And there he says, step outside and look up. You see that? You see all those stars? You can't count them, can you? Well, that's how many kids I'm going to give you. That's your descendants. That's your offspring. You won't be able to count. Or look, look at the sand. Look at the sand on the, on the seashore. Can you count that sand? That's going to be you. So he's giving him this, these, these promises, this covenant and then to seal it, he actually makes a covenant and he does some pretty neat stuff that you can continue to read on in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. But he makes a promise with him right there. And then in chapter 16, uh, we see another part of the narrative unveil. And there we see Sarah who had no kiddo still. And now she's becoming impatient with the will of God. And let's be honest, she's also really old at this point. I mean, she's nearing 100-ish years old. So I don't know about you, but if your great-grandmother would phone and say, good news, we're having a baby. I don't know. I don't know. So Sarah couldn't have kiddos. So finally, she says to her husband, Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sleep with uh, my servant. I want you to go with the maidservant so that you can continue to have uh, your name live on. So I want you to sleep with her so you can have a baby. Now, just a mental note here that sometimes women's, ladies, wives say stuff that they don't really mean. Gentlemen, this would be one of them. <laughs> well, he did that. Boy. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the story isn't all that good. So that servant gave, gave birth to a son, Ishmael. And then there, all sorts comes from that. But also we see that... Um, now there's a jealousy, there's kind of anger between uh, Sarah and this other woman, and it's just not good in the household whatsoever. 
gave birth to a son, Ishmael. And then in, in, in chapter 21, finally Sarah gets pregnant and gives birth to Isaac. She gave birth to a baby boy. So now she couldn't stand that other boy or couldn't stand the other woman so much so that finally Abraham says, you got to go, you got to hit the road and, and, and provided for her. But it's just not a very pretty story after this whole thing. But it's kind of interesting. She gave birth to the boy who God is going to make into a great nation. And this is when Abraham was about 100 years old. So I fast forwarded all of this to bring us to Genesis chapter 22 which I really want to talk about today. So Genesis chapter 22, and I think the scripture will be behind me here, uh, starting at verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which... I will tell you. So pause there for a second and just visualize this. These guys have been dying. They've been praying. When they have family gatherings, this is what their gatherings and their, and their prayer times are about. If only, if only, if only. And here all of a sudden God meets him. Hey, Abraham, he is here I am. I want you to take your one son, your only son, your precious son, the one you've been praying about, this dream of yours, and I want you to sacrifice him. So Abraham, verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled up his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. It's kind of interesting if we pause there for a second, because I don't know about you, but if I would have heard this, I would have probably called a few people together, a couple mentors, some good buddies. I would have asked another pastor, my wife, and all sorts of people. I would have got people around me and asked, okay, is this of God? You know, what's going on? I would have asked everybody's opinion on this one. But here he didn't take any, it, it's, it doesn't say anyway that he took any counsel from flesh and blood. It actually gives the narrative like he heard the voice of God all sorts is going on in his cranium, but he gets up the next morning and he starts to do the chores that help him obey the word of the Lord. There's a lot of thinking going on here, just so you know. Because the distance that we're talking about here would take about 20 and a half hours to walk. We're talking about 50 miles. So two servants, a dad and his son. And what is going on in that conversation. I would love to have been there that day because that could have been pretty awkward. You know, I don't know how, exactly how old Isaac was at this point, but I can imagine him bringing up all sorts of stuff just like my kids do. And if my mind is somewhere else, I, I really don't have a lot of cranial space to talk about the latest video game or what happened with this TV show or what happened at school. I'm just, so I can imagine as I'm, carrying the torch and the wood and all that, ready to sacrifice my son, and he's just skipping about. My mind is somewhere else. And I can only guess that Abraham's the same. Verse 4, On the third day Abraham raised his eyes, and he saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, You stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Hold on to that verse. It's pretty cool. We will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. 
So the two of them walked on together. I just find this funny. Part of it. Like I'm just going, poor Isaac has to carry the wood and he, I'm guessing he's walking in front and there his dad is with a fire and a big sharp knife. And I'm, part of me is kind of, I don't know, smiling at the whole thing because I'm just like, something's awkward about this, isn't there? And finally, his son does clue in. Finally, his son does clue in. Um, Abraham took the wood. The two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his, his father, and said, Dad, here I am, my son. And he said, eh. Behold, uh, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? See, Mama didn't raise no fool. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham, this is pretty cool. This is a really cool dad moment. Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to a place of which God had told them, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and then bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and he took up his knife to slay the son. So just imagine this. All along, he's really trying to listen. Like, but He's just trying to hear God and God's not saying anything thus far. So he's done everything. He's prepared the altar. He puts it on top of the altar, the wood, and now he puts his son there, binds his son, and now he grabs the knife and he holds it up over his head and he's about to plunge the knife into his son. Abraham stretched out his hand and he took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham! Abraham! Here I am. He's all too ready to answer, right? Here I am. Do not touch. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not even withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. by his thorns, yikes, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and burnt and offered him up for a burnt offering to the place in place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. I'm going to go on a bit. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn. So he goes back. To, to chapter 15, which I talked about, which I referenced right at the beginning, he made a covenant with Abraham. He says, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Isn't that amazing? May God bless the reading of his word. Such an exciting story that we see here. The first thing that I want us to see here, you guys, is personal communication. God still speaks. Huh? God still speaks. And God spoke to Abraham. Abraham wasn't perfect. 
He didn't have a glowing resume, but yet there was something about him that he wanted to walk by faith. And when he heard something, when God did say something, he wanted to obey. Did they still mess up even when they had tight relationship with God? Absolutely. Look at what Sarah said. Go sleep with my servant. Probably not a good thing to do. Probably not something that God would say, good job. No, but still God was using an imperfect person and God still communicates today. We've gone over this a bunch of times, but if you're like me, you've got to hear it over and over again. God speaks through his word. This here is really important that we spend time in it. And I think sometimes the same thing, same principle that we get from people relationships is we've got to realize that this is alive and active and sometimes you might be reading a while and all of a sudden, ding, light goes on and you get it. My mama would say that all the time. She would read the word of God, but, and I would just say, don't you ever get tired or whatever of it? And she says, yep. But it's amazing that sometimes as you read it, a light bulb goes on in a passage that you've read so many times before. But circumstances are changing, you're maturing, your needs are changing, and all of a sudden there's something in scripture that just hits you and it's exactly what you needed. God speaks through his word. Don't skip getting together in small group or in church or with other believers because God speaks through other Christians too. We need each other. God speaks through circumstances. We're going camping, uh, actually leaving today. And usually when we go camping, there's hardly a Sunday that we miss going to church. We do sometimes. But on the whole, I try not to. And I'm not saying this religiously. I'm just saying that I like to approach it with this. What does God have for me? Is there a chance that God has something for me? And I've been to some churches and I go through the whole service and I walk out. Don't think there was much there for me today. And that's okay. But there was one time, which I told you a while ago about, where the preacher said, and if anybody needs prayer, come to the aisle. So a young lady came to the aisle and then I elbowed my wife and said, go pray with her. Right? So she bounced up, and then all of a sudden, a little bit older woman bounced up. Now the three of them are together, and they're praying. So it was really cool. And as they said amen, the older woman, who happened to be the mom to the young woman, turned to my wife and said, now would you like any prayer? And my wife, if you know her at all, she starts to tear up. And uh, she actually, one of our kids had a health concern, something that just was not going away. She had been to doctors, specialists, dermatologists, all sorts, just nothing. And she just through her tears said, I've tried everything and, and I need healing for my kiddo. And as she described it, this lady goes, oh, that's easy. Jody looks, what? Oh yeah, I'm a nurse. We deal with that all the time. So they still prayed together, but that day was the beginning of my kiddo's perfect healing. If we would have skipped out, who knows, right? So... Like I'm saying, I'm not trying to be religious here, but I'm just saying, is there a chance that the Lord wants to do something, wants to speak to you, and sometimes we're too busy, you know? Because we've got to slow down. We've got to slow down and sharpen our hearing, sharpen our senses, and be willing to hear what the Lord is saying. I love at the beginning of chapter 22, we, we hear God speak to Abraham, and he says, here I am. But what really ministers to me is when he's about to plunge the knife into his son and he says, Abraham, and he instantly says, yes. Imagine if Abraham was listening to a Walkman or if he was listening to an iPod or a podcast or he was rocking it out while he was about to plunge the knife. 
And then, sorry for that. I, I just came from a youth retreat, so I make silly noises when I'm at a youth retreat. But if he's about to plunge the knife, and he plunges the knife, and all of a sudden he lifts his earphones and says, what? What was that? Don't kill him. <gasps> right? It's just like he had sharp hearing. He heard the voice of God, and when he heard the voice of God, he acted. He acted even when it was tough, when he says, take your son, your one and only son, and go take him and sacrifice him. He got up and he did it. And then when the easy news came, don't do it, he also obeyed. But he obeyed in both circumstances. He obeyed in both circumstances. And I wonder sometimes that God wants to speak through his word. God wants to speak through other Christians. God wants to speak through circumstances. He definitely wants to speak to you through prayer. He wants to speak to you through other people, uh, other Christian mentors and all this stuff. Uh, sometimes the Lord speaks through dreams. There's all sorts of neat ways that he speaks. And I, I heard somebody just lately ask me, I just wish God would show up and just like, uh, like with writing, like a, a, one, of, one of those crazy miracles, you know? And well, yeah, but a bunch of you are crazy miracles, aren't you? I think I'm a crazy miracle. Like, God does amazing stuff that sometimes we just chalk up as psychological or I went and saw this counselor. Well, you know, the good Lord does amazing stuff and we sometimes chalk it up to the wrong thing. God still speaks today. God still is into personal communication. Are we listening? Are we listening? Not only does he um, have personal communication, but I think another thing that he has for for Christians, and you know, listen up for this one, you're going to love this one. Another thing that he has for Christians is pain. You like that one? Not so much, right? I think he has pain for us. And by that, I was looking for a P word to describe trials. So it's a bit weak, I know. But trials. God does not tempt us, and we know that. We know that from different portions of Scripture, including James. He doesn't tempt us, but he allows trials to happen in our lives. And they're different. The devil tempts us, and the devil wants to drag us down, and he wants our death, and he wants to destroy us, whereas trials build us. There's a big difference there. So God allows trials to build you up. The devil wants to tempt you, to throw you down, and to make you feel foolish, and to just ruin your reputation, ruin your marriage, ruin who you are. There's a big difference there. But here it's interesting Because what Wearsby says, he, he, just like Abraham says, or what Abraham did, he said, focus on the promises and not the ex, ex, explanations. And I like that because how many times are we faced with something of pain, a trial and stuff like that, and we go, oh God, why, oh God, why? And that's okay. But how many times are we looking for that cognitive solve? We're looking for that ointment on our brains going, I can't figure this out. Why did God allow this? I don't always know. Do you? And I think we can ask those questions because we have a mighty God. But I like what Wearsby says about this experience. He says, Abraham chose not to look at the explanations, but he focused on the promise. Promise said, I don't know how he's going to pull this off, but long time ago, I think it was in chapter 15, he says that God met with me and said that somehow through me, he would bless me and a huge nation would come from me. So 
he focused on the promises and not how this was going to pan out. James chapter 1 says this, Blessed is the person who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. No one can say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And, then, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Do not be deceived. Or Job. You remember when he was tested. When the devil came and, and said, uh, oh yeah, Job worships you God because you got, he's living on easy street. And God allowed him to be tested. And Job said in verse 10 of chapter 23, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. So is there a possibility that yes, God wants to speak to us, but even is there a possibility that he wants to speak to us through our pain and when we endure that pain, that is part of our maturing road. You've got to remember that Christian walk is not just about comfort. It's about maturity, maturing in Christ. And it seems that Job nailed it. But sometimes that's hard for us to swallow. Are you going through a trial right now? Maybe you need to hear from the Lord. Third principle I think I see here is uh, really important. If you're going to get a tattoo, this is the tattoo you should get right here, is his presence. His presence. God doesn't send you somewhere where he is not. God does not send you somewhere where he is not. He doesn't expect something of you where he has not already been working. Doesn't that feel good? God doesn't send you somewhere where he is not. Consider this whole unreasonable expectation or question um, that God is requesting. Isaac was Abraham's only son and the future of the covenant rested on him. He was a miracle child, a gift to Abraham and Sarah. They loved him so much. Everything was just coming together perfectly. And now this. But who met him on that mountain? God. Who provided for him on that mountain? God. Who spoke to him on that mountain? God. God. It looked like their whole dream was being wiped out. It looked like everything was crashing down. They had this, such hope in their son and now it's all crashing down. But nope, God shows up in a mighty way because he is in it. And maybe there's something for you to know is that sometimes even when it comes to our walk in faith, our obedience, is when we step out in obedience, just like I just finished saying with the principle, when you step out in obedience, even though it's scary, you don't know what's going on, you can't totally plan for it, Kind of like Weston and his family did. They were nutso, if you know their story at all. 
I mean, they sold their house and they came up to Canada to get educated and then where do you want to now, God? It was just total caravan kind of thing that Abraham was doing too. And look what God is doing in their lives. It's pretty cool. And we were part of it. It's fun. Hebrews 11 gives a comment on Abraham. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and as good as dead, <laughs> came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could raise him from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, Abraham had described this whole crazy experience as worship. Remember, he said to the two servants, you wait here. Me and my son, we're going to go on and worship. And then we'll be back. Did you remember that when we were reading that together? He said that. He had no idea. He could not explain it. But he knew it from the promise. He obeyed God's will and sought to please the heart of God. Sought to please the heart of God. Do you trust him? Do you trust God? Are you ready to walk with him? Do you really believe that what he's calling you to, he's there? He's there. Which brings us to our four, fourth point here. Not only does he want to um, have personal communication with us and that he allows pain in our life, but he also brings provision. God will provide. God will provide. God will provide. Is my wife in here? Yeah? C come here for a second, okay? I put her on the spot. God will provide. Did you notice what God provided in this case? What did God provide with Abraham? A whole flock of sheepses? What, what did he provide? A ram. Okay? So Jody has this crazy story that I'd asked her to share. You probably forgot, and you were hoping I wouldn't, but all of a sudden, boom. That's why you were volunteering to go downstairs today. Totally. Yeah. Um, back when I was in university at Trinity Western, I was volunteering at the time with my sister, one of my younger sisters, through Young Life. So we were at a Young Life event, and it went pretty late, and I was dropping my sister off at Northwest Baptist College, which used to be a little Bible college right behind Trinity. So I pull in there, and we start chatting about whatever happened and talking about, you know, things that we're excited about the Lord doing in our lives. And, um, I turn off my car but left my radio on. Bad move, right? <laughs> so I didn't realize we'd be sitting there for probably about an hour or something chatting while this music was going on. So by the time I go to turn my car on, well, my battery's dead, obviously. So I'm like, dang. I mean, if you know Trinity at midnight on a school night, there's no one around, right? So there was a couple guys in the parking lot that I asked, hey, because they actually had a vehicle. Most people at Trinity don't have vehicles as well, back then especially. So I asked these guys, they'll help me, but they don't have jumper cables. I'm like, okay, that's not, that's half helpful. <laughs> I was like, so I, now I need jumper cables. So now we go around and we're looking for people that are awake, have a vehicle, 
and have jumper cables. It's almost impossible at Trinity at this time of night. So we go around, we're looking around, and we see that there's a light on, like on one of the upper floors at Northwest. So we run up the stairs and we say, hey, there's a couple people awake. Hey, does anybody happen to have a vehicle with jumper cables? And they were like, no. And then um, somebody looks out the window and there was a tree that was, you know, really close to the window. And he's like, but aren't those jumper cables in the tree? I was like, what? We go, we look all through the window. It totally looks like there's jumper cables hanging right in that tree. So we run outside and we go, shimmy up there, we get these things and they're jumper cables. Like my sister and I are like skipping back. Because <laughs> what I missed before is that right after I realized, you know, we asked these guys and they don't have jumper cables, Lisa and I just stopped and we just prayed, God, we need jumper cables. Please, please bring us some jumper cables. And he did, <laughs> which was hilarious. Oh, man. What can you say, right? He still sends manna from heaven, right? Oh, it's too funny. But I love that because uh, one thing that Jody was just hinted around right now, her and her sister were having a very beautiful time of worshiping the Lord. The, the, the conversation it was all God-centered. And then all of a sudden, oh, shoot, you know, burnt out the battery. And, like, how random is that to have all of a sudden booster cables in the tree? I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah. It's amazing. So I'm not saying God works like that all the time, but there's also perspective of when he does work or when something happens. Or Jody could have just said, well, that's a really cool circumstance. And then just chalk it up like that. But both of them were just like, God, this is awesome. And that is pretty random to have a tree that grows booster cables. <laughs> Love it. Well, you guys, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, Abraham didn't know the what, the where, the whatever, the how, but he knew the who. And that's the big deal of the story. He knew the who, and it wasn't the what it wasn't the where, it wasn't the when, or how come. It was the who that motivated him to say, yes, I will do this. It makes no sense. I love my son. Why would I? I'm going to do this because I know the who. Do you know the who? Do you know the who? And that's what motivated him. And he went to this Mount Moriah, this place of worship, this place where now he's being drawn to worship the Lord, and there he comes up with a name, God will provide himself a lamb for burnt offering, he says in Genesis 22, verse 8. And later on in verse 14, he says, the Lord will see to it. He calls him Jehovah Jireh, which you know means uh, provider. The Lord is my provider, or it means the Lord will see to it. So there's so many beautiful, beautiful um, terms that he uses within this passage because he is confident of the who, not so confident of the what, or where, or how, but of the who. But I gotta admit, too, that something that's gripping to me about this story um, is Isaac's faith, too. Right? Because even for Isaac to go along with this whole thing, I don't know. He ain't no dummy. He knows by now that this isn't looking good for me. And uh, Abraham's like 100 years old. I bet you, uh, even if I was 12, I could have done a few ninja moves 
and taking care of a 100-year-old dad, right? But I, I just want to acknowledge that too, that together, dad and son were going to worship the Lord, to ascribe him worship, and it seems that both were initiating some kind of mechanism within their hearts to trust the Lord in this process. I wonder if there's also a link at this point that dads, moms, adults, that we actually help blaze the trail of faith and trusting the who in when we don't know the when, the where, the what. And our kiddos, like Isaac, go, huh, that's what it means to follow God. Hmm. That's what it means to believe God for your marriage. That's what it means to believe God for healing. That's what it means to believe God even though I'm going through this trial of pain right now. Not the what, not the where or how, but the who. So, I mean, a couple of questions that come to me this morning are, am I, are you withholding anything from God this morning? Are you willing to put the health issue, the financial issue, your, your worries, your struggles, your doubt, are you willing to put that on the altar saying, God, I don't get it, but I want to get you. I want you. I want you. Are you withholding anything from the altar this morning? Or maybe you are trying to give something and right now your allegiance is being tested like crazy and it's being pulled and stretched and you're wondering, God, where are you in this? Well, I want to encourage you from Scripture today that Abraham believed the promises of God even though he could not make sense of them all because he believed the who behind the promise. There was personal communication. There was pain in his life. And there was also provision in his life. And what I love so much is also we see the presence of God that wherever God calls us to be, wherever God calls us to go, there is his presence. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, the shadow of death, the shadow of doubt, the shadow of fear, whatever it might be, I am with you always. I'm with you always. So what do we need to put on the altar today? And is there an area in your life, like Abraham, that you can drink deeply of who God is and step out and obey. And I do know this, that when you learn, like my dog did, to obey the voice of his master, it's a good thing, and it's healthy. And he got to know my voice better and better. And the same thing with you today. If you learn to listen you'll get better and better and better at hearing the voice of your father and stepping out into what is right, what is good, and what is of obedience. Heavenly Father, this morning, we're thankful for the mountain of obedience. 
some of us might take a first glance at this scripture and think, oh God, you're kind of gross here in, in expecting a, a sacrifice of your son, which I don't think is the point here. I think the point is, as you've said, that Abraham was not willing to hold back anything because he wanted you so much. He was not daydreaming about one day people would talk of him and say, that Abraham is such a neat guy. No, I think even today, Abraham would almost blush and say, it's not about me, guys. It's not about my son. It's not about Sarah. It's about the God who will provide. And he provided for me and he'll provide for you. And I think it's the same God, as we've said before, the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And this is the God, Lord, that we want to know more of. Lord, we admit that we want to know sometimes the when, the where, the what. But Lord, like Abraham, today we're saying we want to know the who. We want to know you more. And Lord, if somebody's in here today that's going through some kind of issue where it is really wreaking havoc on their faith, I pray that in the name of Jesus that they won't do this alone, that they have us. Or that you'd speak to them through circumstances or your word or through prayer or through a dream, whatever, Lord, but reveal yourself to them to help them to know that this trial is, is, is not in vain, that you will show your communication, you will show your peace and your presence, you will show your provision. Lord, help us to become people of obedience in this day and age where it's getting more and more challenging to be your people. And I would ask, Lord, that you would lift up and strengthen our faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.